Episode 204 of the HHH Racing Podcast is brought to you by Hawthorne Racecourse. Hawthorne Racecourse, Chicagoland's hometown track. And now, let's start episode 204. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to episode 204 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host for this evening, at least for the early portion of the show, Pete Visco. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are going to finally, we're going to move on from the Breeders' Cup a little bit for at least this week. There's going to be some more talk next week, which we'll fill you in on a little bit later. But this week, we're actually going to cover the late pick five sequence at Woodbine. It actually turned out to be a pretty nice sequence, a couple graded stakes, but we'll get into the details a little bit more later. And then at the end, at the, after we do our pick fives, we want to just make sure you remember that don't hang up, or I should say hang up, don't turn off the show. Howard is going to come on close to around nine o'clock Eastern, maybe a little bit before, a little bit after, to talk about the Hawthorne pick four, the late pick four on Friday with our Hawthorne our special Hawthorne always guest these days, Jim Miller, which is always awesome. I think they're doing a special $25,000 guaranteed pick four, but they'll get into all the details. I don't want to mess any of them up. So stick around even after myself and my co-hosts go over our pick fives, stick around and stay for that portion of the show as well. So before we get into it, we're going to go over our normal administrative junk that we have to do. First of all, if you're watching on YouTube, Make sure you subscribe. And we've had a few questions lately about what subscribing on YouTube actually means. It's not a subscription like that you have to pay for, like some subscriptions. All it really is, is when you click on subscribe, it puts our show in your sort of subscription section. And then when you look at your feed in YouTube, it'll actually bring our shows up. It won't notify you. If you want to be notified of when a new show pops up, that's when you hit that little bell icon and that's for notifications. Subscription is just, hey, I like this show. You let YouTube know that it's a show that you like because it, they could see our subscription numbers and then it'll be in your feed and it'll be in your subscription bucket. So again, there's no fee, there's no charge. It's really just clicking the button and then it really doesn't change your life at all. So please, if you're watching and you haven't subscribed yet, Please do, because again, it tells YouTube that this is a show you like, this is a show you enjoy, and the higher our numbers get, the better it is for us, the better it is for the show, and the more exposure that we get. Um, also, when you're watching each show, click that little thumbs up, hit that like button. Again, it tells YouTube this is a show that you really like. And also, if you can, if you're watching and you don't comment, if you're watching or you're watching after the fact, you could always put comments underneath the video player in the comment section. We read them, we respond to them. So if you can't make the live show and be in the live comments, please do that as well. Um, we're always interested to hear what people think about the sequence or any question. It doesn't really matter what it is. Next, let's talk about usually Howard's Twitter handle is up, but basically the Twitter handle for our show is at H Kravitz. 
So at H-K-R-A-V-E-T-S, that's the Twitter handle for the show. Again, please follow us on there. We always try and, especially on race days, we try and have a lot of lively conversation. So definitely do that as well. If you are, um, if you prefer, like sometimes you do, if you prefer audio instead of the video, please on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, listen, subscribe, rate review, do all of those things, because obviously, if you can't make the YouTube show, we appreciate you following and listening to us in any way you possibly can. Next, we're going to talk quickly about the power picks. Now, the power picks were huge for the Breeders' Cup. We had our Breeders' Cup special edition where myself, Howard, Kyle, Paul all contributed big, long write-ups, but it doesn't end there. The power picks go on every weekend, every year. Um, it covers at least two cards on generally Saturdays. I guess depending upon the weekend, it could cover a different day, but at least two cards, and you'll get ABC grids, you'll get um, spot plays, price plays, and you'll also get some stat, some stats of the day that we've seen sometimes. So it's great, regardless of you know, post-Breeders' Cup, no matter what the track is, like today, our Woodbine card that we're covering, that'll be on the Power Picks. So please please subscribe. And if you want to subscribe under the video player, there's a link to Patreon. That's where you can subscribe. This subscription you actually have to pay for, not like the YouTube one. And then if you will we'll go into and actually on our website, HH hracingpodcast.com there's also a link to the patreon site and there's also examples of our power picks so if you're curious about what's contained in the power picks including what we just put up i put up our our most recent breeders cup power picks which is a blown out version if you're curious about what's contained in them and you want to see some past versions before you subscribe they're on there the last 15 are always up there so please take a look there That'll give you a hint as to whether you want to subscribe or not. Um, I think Howard, when he comes on later, is going to talk about probably next week's show. But next Tuesday, he's going to have a great show with the past. Howard's going to be on with the past three BCBC champions, Matt Miller, Drew Coatney, um, or I shouldn't say, and Marshall Graham. So we're going to have three BCBC champions on there talking about theory so bcbc strategy some of the mathematics behind it but howard will get into it in a little bit more details so with all that let's actually bring on my co-host tonight and we'll get into the woodbine pick five. First, my man paul saratoga special halloran hey paul what's going on and hey pete how you doing tonight i'm doing fantastic thank you and kyle the man behind the champ roscoe what's going yeah. on my man Nothing. Good glad to be here. What's going on, Pete? Not too much, man. Just hanging in there. So what do you guys? So post Paul, I know you were I know you were in the no sleep till Breeders' Cup. So what are you I wanted to ask this sort of a, a general question. After Breeders' Cup, we're sort of in the for the baseball fans, we're sort of in the dog days of horse racing a little bit until maybe there's a couple big ones coming up, but for the most part it slows down a bit. Do you still keep trugging along and, and with the same sort of wagering you know, the same sort of, do you still handicap the weekends or do you take a little break? What do you normally do at the end of the Breeders' Cup? Well, the timing works out well for me, Pete, because I think, as I've mentioned, I'm a basketball official. So oh, yes. my season, my, my college season literally started uh, this past Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> I had my first game Tuesday. So I kind of transitioned to that. And then, uh, 
you know, I will still play. I mean, I'm going to definitely play the stuff that we talk about because I don't believe in shooting <laughs> my mouth off on the air and not spending my own money on the picks. So I will definitely be and being pissed my, if it hits um, and being pissed if it hits. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that too. <laughs> um, and, you know, I would say, um, you know, a little bit of a freshening, as they say, with the horses. But, you know, once you get Christmas is coming, you know, once that Gulfstream championship meet starts, it starts in early December, but it, it cranks up around the first yeah. of the year. And, you know, obviously Malibu Day, opening day at Santa Anita is always a benchmark, December 26th. Yeah. I've started to follow Oaklawn a little more the last few years, and, and that starts early December. So there won't be a lot of downtime. No, and I assume doing the show does just keep you in the groove because we do have to handicap at least one card a week, if not if not a little bit more. Kyle, what about you? Same, or you just sort of kick back a little bit? I mean, I can, but there's one thing that uh, money doesn't sleep. That's the best thing. <laughs> or, my, or my money will go to sleep, basically, is kind of yeah. the way I'm thinking about it. But, I mean, it's that's all. I mean, with what we hand to have to handicap every single weekend, for this type of show is, you know, like you said, it does keep us in the groove. It keeps us, you know, freshening up And then, you know, like we're looking at Woodbine this weekend and who knows what we're going to look at, you know, the next coming weekends kind of spread out the tracks a little bit to kind of get, um, you know, a little bit, I'm not expertise, but get, you know, dip your feet in the water a little bit elsewhere other than just your normal New York and Kentucky circuits. Yeah, I think that's good because I know some of these tracks, I only, you know, maybe I'll pick them up on a random big day, whatever mm -hmm. their biggest days are of the year. But that's not the way, I mean, I know I'm, I'm at fault of not following a meet long enough. So yeah. sort of getting a feel for how the jockeys are doing, how the track's playing, how the trainers are doing. And even if we're not doing that, at least you're checking in every once in a while right. and saying, Hey, look at this guy. I mean, I know this one's doing something or this one's doing something. So it that's, helps. I'm telling you, that's why I loved it. You know, when Arlington was so close, you know, being going there every single day, it, it, it really does pay dividends when you pay attention to an entire meet yeah. and you keep track of, you know, how the track's playing, how these jockeys are doing, who's hot, who's cold and stuff like that. But, you know, like uh, times like this where there isn't a whole lot going on, it gives you a little bit of, uh, leeway to bounce around a little bit. Yeah, I actually found that with the tournaments a little bit. If you play them during the week, you get a feel for sort of how the tracks play during the week and not just on the big days when the best horses are there and it can kind of skew it a bit. Right. All right, well, let's jump in. So we got this. This is actually a pretty interesting sequence. I'm, I'm glad we were doing this one. So I'm going to go to... Let me bring up... First of all, we'll bring up the first race. Race six. Made in special weight. Nice purses, too. I don't know if you looked at the purses, mm -hmm. but made in special weight, 126,800, six and a half furlongs on the all weather. And we have the favorite on this one. This is actually a nicely spread out race, but the favorite is the number four speed trap for ooh, Carol and Kimura, which is a fantastic combination. So I guess on this one, we're going to start, Paul, we'll start with you here. And you're, you actually started with the four speed trap. So we'll just jump right into that one. What made you land on this one? These uh, young, you know, not so frequently raced two-year-olds we have. Well, the first thing that jumped off the page at me, Pete, is, you know, uh, we, we expect to see six-figure uh, two-year-olds at Saratoga and New York <laughs> and California, but... You know, look at the four three hundred thousand uh, dollar yearling, the five a four hundred ten thousand mm -hmm. dollar 
and the six two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. So this, I, I don't know how good they are. There's some expensive horse flesh. <laughs> I was surprised trade. by uh, that too. I didn't ex- I didn't expect that either. As I was going through, I was like, man, well, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that they're here. I'm not really. I don't know how to gauge that all the time. But you're right. So I I thought that the four uh, took money in her debut. <laughs> nice. Uh, Broke from the rail, which I think is always challenging for a first-time starter uh, uh, or any lightly raced horse, but especially a first-time starter. Looks like she completely walked out of the gate, was running late. Better post, second start. Josie Carroll is is, is one of the top trainers up there. Uh, she's a, This is a 28% connection, her and the jockey. So and and then the three hundred thousand dollar price tag, I put it all together, and, and that's where I landed. No, I, I, that makes all sense. And actually, people can see some of my notes in there, which is a sneak peek into my stupid thinking half the time. But you can see that Josie Carroll, twenty five percent, two year old second career starters in on synthetic in sprint races. So I mean, Josie Carroll has some pretty good percentages in a lot of cases, but we'll. I, I think this one is sort of a deserving favorite after the trip it got. You can only see it sort of moving forward from that one. So, Paul, we'll go to, and then Kyle has this one on top, but I'll let you touch on it real quick, Paul. The eight, Mischief Lily. Where'd you sort of, what sort of brought you to this one? Well, you, you got three Cassies in the race. So, you know, we all know how he does up there. I, I thought this was the best. He's 21% with this move, turf to synthetic. Um, one thing about Mark, regardless of where he's running, uh, he's not afraid to run the horse on what may or may not be the wrong surface. You know, he'll <laughs> often start horses on dirt, who he, whom he knows is going to end up on turf and vice versa. Looked like he, this one, he gave her three shots on turf and now he's going to synthetic. Some might say, well, that's because she wasn't that good on turf and that's a fair statement. But, you know, the 71 buyer on turf last race, uh, looks competitive, even though I know we're going to synthetic here. That's by far the top number in the race. So, yeah. uh, him and husbands are a good combo, and I just took the eight as uh, what I thought was the the best of the three Cassies. Okay, Kyle, what about you? You had the eight on top in this one. What were your thoughts? Three things. I mean, that's uh, Paul touched on it with Cassie's numbers at. 21 he wins at 21 percent from turf to the move from turf to synthetic and 21 percent at first time synthetic with horses so that's one and if you click on the dam for me pete if you would um the breeding this horse mare run ran only basically on synthetic current she had two races on turf one in the dirt all not very good all her wins came on the synthetic track trained by mike maker actually so just noticing, and then if you keep if you keep going through a family tree, it's all, it's a lot of synthetic. And her progeny haven't shown it showed it yet. Spicetown obviously is not, but the, yeah. the Grand Dam, I believe, and this is the same reason I had the seven and second was a lot of just um, a, uh, obviously into mischief was all synthetic as well. So just a yeah. lot of um, a lot of breeding for the synthetic, and I like the cutback. Last one ran a seventy one at a minus 16th at the turf. And we all know uh, it was on the inner turf at Woodbine actually. So that configuration matches the synthetic. I just like the cutback. I think it's going to be good with Mark Cassie and Patrick husbands up. No, for sure. And I mean, anytime you can get that combo, like, like Paul mentioned, it's, it's definitely quality. Then you have in second, 
the seven, be like Lee, first time starter for another Mike Cassie. So you're going with the with the Cassies here. What what about this one? Did you I see a couple of nice works there too? I don't know if that mm-hmm. was part of it. It definitely is. I mean, working well for Cassie is always a really nice thing to see. Uh, seven. I mean, and with his two year old first time starters at Woodbine on the synthetic, he wins for seventeen percent of the time. So it's not like he's a complete slouch by any means. <laughs> Um, and if you actually click on the dam again, this is, again, just ran super well in synthetic in her career all the way up to five. And most of it is sprinting on the synthetic. So yeah, just, I just really in this race, I'm just looking for fresh faces. The kind the two races that kind of showed up really didn't excite me by any means at all. The only one that I did want out of those races was the Ford, just based on that, la- that trip last time. But out of everyone else in a race like this, I just kind of just wanted really just a fresh face to put on top in a second. Yeah, I mean, sometimes in these races, that's the way to go, just because they haven't shown you their warts yet. Mm-hmm. So you you take a shot and you hope they come out. And this one's bred well and it has a great trainer and, you know, good jockey. Actually, let's jump to the I know you. we talked about the four um, on the favorite. So you have that one. So I guess. Paul and I, Paul has the six and third. I have the six and top. This is Victorious Tappet from Josie Carroll, another Josie Carroll. Paul, I'll let you go real quick first, even though it's my top choice. What'd you like about this one? First time starter, de- like you said, decent purchase price. What were your thoughts? Yeah, uh, purchase price, sire. Obviously, the Tappets can run on anything. Uh, Josie's numbers. Uh, with both first timers, with two year olds on synthetic and sprints, you know, she's pretty much you, you can't get too far below twenty percent, no matter what category you hit. Um, you know, the only thing is, and I did put the horse third, but you may have the right idea, horse uh, Pete, because you know a, a filly like this, you, you might have a more likelihood of having her win or not being around. Right. Yeah. She might just fire right away. But so uh, you picked her, Pete. So you should tell us why she's going to. No, no. I, I and, and you could see, again, a lot of it was just statistically based because, I mean, you do like to tap it and out of a victory gallop mayor mayor. But, you know, I had Josie Carroll, 20 percent, 80 percent in the money, two year old first time starters on synthetic in 22 in 2022. So, again, at six to one. Even if you're just getting this horse on the board, I think it's got a shot to win if you think it can hit the board. And then the damn side, 42% win, 62% in the top two in synthetic sprints. And then the Carroll-Contreras combo, 33% wins, uh, first-time starters on synth. So there's just a lot of statistical evidence. And with a first-time starter, you don't really have a ton more than that to go by. So I, I really like this one. And I actually, th- I, I was unsure. I handicapped this one without the odds, without the morning line and thought this one potentially could be the morning line favorite. And it turned out that it wasn't. So <laughs> I was, I was pretty happy with that. And then last, I'll just say, well, I think five. you watched the board, oh, Pete. I th- true. Excuse true. me. I, said, I think you bring up a good point. The, this is the type of horse that you do want to watch the board. And, you know, with it being the first leg, you do have that advantage. The only thing you brought up the victory gallop, Pete, and I'm looking now at the works, you know, four consecutive five furlong works. There's a good chance that six and a half furlongs might not be nearly long enough for this filly. That was, that was definitely my concern, which is why it wasn't like I would look at it as any sort of single or anything. I mean, I probably wouldn't with the first time or unless it was a, a, a monster anyway. So I also had the five and third, nothing big to go with there. It was just, it popped a nice buyer when it moved to the synth and then 
even the day it actually the sire side how was okay but it's better routing but i just figured hey this one maybe just took to the synthetic when it got on there it's a four hundred and ten thousand dollar purchase so it may have some and there's a little bit of speed there's not a ton of speed in this race so i'm not really sure how the how the pace is going to work out but i guess we'll see so let's move on though we'll move to the seventh the seventh we have our first race grade three the Maple Leaf Stakes, it's purse 150000 a mile and a quarter on the all-weather, which is pretty awesome. And we have the favorite all the way on the outside in the 11-hole, Transient, for Safi Joseph and Jose Ortiz at 3-1, to one, which actually we're going to see again, I think, in the next race. So there's going to be a, a common theme here. So in this one, we'll start with you, Kyle, this time. You have the six. <laughs> Money for Roe is actually yours. So let's talk through what, what made you land on this horse and you're actually getting a, a nice morning line price on it. Yeah. And I like the way Paul thinks, cause I see Paul. You and Paul in lockstep. Well. I love that. Well, I'm just again, going back on back numbers here for this Philly. I mean, you can see it's just five state, five straight ungraded stake races, one at a mile and a quarter back in August of 21. But, and she's, I mean, she's ran the last race wasn't very good. Again, that was, but that was in the EP Taylor and obviously yeah. Rougier, Moira. We all know where they went in their next start. So I'm not holding that against her. Just again, probably, you know, pretty too good of company there. Um, going back to the uh, Dance Smart at Woodbine at a mile and a 16th, ran a really nice race behind Wakanaka, who came back to win um, the race on the, la the last race on Breeders' Cup Saturday, I believe. Yep. yep. So again, Correct. just racing in racing in really good company has back numbers for the sin that can be many competitive here and just sitting a very nice tactical speed trip. I feel like this horse can definitely catch a good price. Yeah, for sure. And actually I'll, I'll get to you, Paul, cause you had this one on top as well. But one thing I noticed was this horse has run well, um, sort of switching surfaces now it's back on the turf but this horse just gets to this horse is just pretty versatile i mean it bounces back and forth and just runs and it gives its race every time and obviously now we're, we're taking a little bit step back in class what were your thoughts paul what like what made you land on this one on top yeah i as kyle uh, so eloquently pointed out um the company lines are good i, I don't think the horse is going to be three to one by the way kyle with those two grade yeah. twos and a grade one sitting there at the top of the pps <laughs> um but i do think that not only did this philly run in those races but you know she was fairly competitive that wakanaka ran a huge race uh one of the guys I was with, uh, Bob Mullins, had that horse pretty good and had to wait a long time. But once uh, she got rolling, <laughs> she got rolling. Um, you know, the E.P. Taylor races, the throwout, those are Breeders' Cup horses, although neither ran pretty much a step in the Breeders' Cup, just an FYI, because I used both of them. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Kevin Attard is, is right up at the top of the uh, Woodbine Trainers. Uh, Stein is a good jockey. You know, it's a Munnings, uh, as you pointed out, Pete. If you look at her running lines, uh, if you go down to the last time she, last two times she ran on synthetic, she was right there. And all the way down to last year, she ran fourth in the Queen's Plate, which is probably the biggest synthetic race of the year up there. Yep. So that was last year, but still. So uh, I, I think. Uh, she's got a lot going for her, and uh, in in what is a pretty pretty competitive field. 
No, I agree. And actually what I, what I ineloquently was trying to say earlier was this horse has shown a proclivity to go from turf to, to synthetic and do well. So it has the win here. It has the second here. So it's actually shown the ability to bounce from surface to surface and even go back to the synth. So I sort of like that. Kyle, we'll go back to you with your second place horse quick. We have the number three charges dropped at four to one for Michael McCarthy and, and Kimura. What do you have here? What's your thoughts on this one? I just really like, I mean, I don't know if this filly really wants the distance. And obviously, Lemon Drop Kid, the horses are very nice on the turf. Just that last race at Presque Isle was just very nice. Again, granted, a, a little bit lesser company, especially going down to Presque Isle. But, I mean, gets they take Kimura to Presque Isle to win on this filly in a pretty convincing fashion and then bringing her back up to Woodbine to run in the spot like this. Pops a really nice buyer showing that, this horse can really, you know, run well and synthetic as long as, as well as the turf. It's just, it made, made me more of a hunch play just running with McCarthy here, just connections. But that last race was too good to pass up for me, especially at a price, hopefully around the four to five to one. Yeah. And I, you should get Kyle, that. Probably. Almost have to oh, think, oh, sorry, Pete. Kyle, no, you no, almost have to think that McCarthy might've had this race in mind. Yeah, and, I mean, because remember, before Prescott, the horse was running on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I don't think he shipped her east specifically to run in an optional claim of 40 mm-hmm. grand at Prescott. <laughs> right. You know, it's almost like he had a race like this picked out and said, OK, let's get her a start on, in the, mm-hmm. on the East Coast somewhere, or mid-Atlantic, right. as it were, and then ship up there. You know, it'd be, you know, this is where it's a lot easier if. This is in Saratoga, and in the morning, you can well, just say, uh, hey, uh, Mr. Trainer, sir, uh, <laughs> what were your plans which, with this horse? But yeah, you know what I'm right. saying, Kyle? It, it, he didn't ship to Prescott to, just to run in that race. No, anyway, and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use my one. I'm going to use my 100% here. I 100% nice. agree with you, Paul, that um, just racing on the turf on the West Coast, and all of a sudden this horse ships to a, synth- to a synthetic 40 claimer at Prescott after a month layoff. I mean, I it's it's – completely i completely agree with you that especially bringing kimura down to presque isle for that race and then now park targeting a spot in a grade right. three on the synthetic completely yeah. agree it actually has no work i think we're looking at a promotion either. <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah, no, no, no work we're looking at a promotion pete mm. yeah i could see that now i mean i like that case because i was looking at this and my only thing that scared me was with just a little bit jump up in class, but maybe yep. if McCarthy knows what he's doing and, and actually putting a horse. So if it ran like crap on the synth at, at Presque Isle, then, then you don't target this one. Then you sort of pivot back and go back to the turf. I assume where it was running. Okay. Already. So actually Kyle, we'll go back to you. Cause we had that comment about the 11 transient. So the, in case you, in case you guys didn't see it, the comment was transient should be running on the turf, not the synth. So what were your thoughts with this one, Kyle? And this one is actually the, like we said, the morning line favorite. So um, if you don't like it on the synth, it's a good way to try and play against the morning line favorite. But Kyle, you actually do. So what were your thoughts? I definitely agree. This horse just seems like and this is this is one that I almost feel like it goes against what we were just talking about with the three <laughs> is that they were just they were trying to find a spot for this horse. Granted, the race trained by Mark Cassie at Woodbine back last year. I mean, ran two pretty decent races, the uh, first one being better than the second one. But, I mean, ran two pretty good, really, actually not pretty good. They ran two really good races for Safi in New York um, in September. 
and then gets a month and a half layoff almost and all of a sudden starts targeting synth again. I mean, I I I like it. I'm not gonna play it for the price. I'm sure it'll be probably lower than three to one, just judging by connection wise. And they bring Jose Ortiz yeah. here for this race. I mean I I Dewey could be completely right. I'm I couldn't leave him completely out or per damn it. Oh. Uh I couldn't leave her completely out of the money just because of how well meant this horse was. And I mean, let's not get it that that allowance race at Woodbine at a mile and 16 was a, was a pretty nice race. Yeah. So I'm going to use her not on top, though, not for the price. Yeah. The one the one comment I had and I actually had a decent stat where Safi is 31 percent win, 69 percent um turf to synth in the last six months. So it was obviously comfortable making this move. And the other thing was this horse, I mean, just from a buyer standpoint is up to 82, 85 and improves so much over the turf form from last year. If it can improve on the synthetic form from last year, puts this one right in the mix. So again, at the price, maybe it's not the best because there are some question marks, but I do think this one definitely fits if it does take to the, take to the synth. It's sort of like it did a little bit last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, real quick, you had the you have the nine seven to two creative Cairo in second. What'd you like about this one? Well, and and you know, just back to that eleven, if I could. Pete, oh, it, sure. It, it's kind of mixed signals because Jose coming up to ride is obviously a factor. Although this, he's not missing much in New York at Aqueduct on a Saturday in, in mid November, but that's a factor. The other thing is that with Safi Joseph as the trainer, you know, Safi runs at Gulfstream and then has strings elsewhere, but probably look, I don't think he runs anywhere that he's going to find a hundred thousand dollar allowance race in September on turf other than New York. Uh, Certainly not at Churchill where they can't run on it still. Uh, (laughs) They run very, they're running very limited, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, very limited. They, they do a very good job with turf courses and closing racetracks. (laughs) <laughs> um, but um, so don't rub it in. I, don't rub it in on Kyle, man. Don't rub it in for Kyle like that. Make him and, cry. And, and the same token, you know, Clement, um, you know, is pretty, uh, you know, discerning where he goes and when. Uh, although I will still respectfully with respectfully disagree with his decision to take Gufo to Kentucky Downs on two weeks rest. But <laughs> he will be in the Hall of Fame someday, and I won't. Um, but. <laughs> I think, you know, it is a show of confidence, him shipping up here with this horse. Uh, there's no real reason for it. You know, again, though, there's not a, you know, a horse like this isn't going to run for 150000 at Aqueduct on Saturday. So I understand yeah. it. But, you know, I, I thought the horse is, you know, is, is right there. Um, you know, you're going to have to guess a little bit on the, the synthetic, but, the Cairo princes and, you know, pioneer of the Nile is the second sire and the creative cause is the damn sire. Uh, I I didn't take a deep dive, but I'm, I'm thinking that I don't think it's going to be a problem. No, nothing on the, nothing on the damn side, but the sire, you know, the sire side, Cairo Prince is fine. Nothing, nothing outstanding, nothing bad. Yeah. So what do you got, Kyle? Right. You got a comment there? Nothing. Uh, I, I have a soft spot for Cairo Prince's. Um, and I'll tell you what, Jay has not run bad on synthetic. So Cairo Prince's, oh, they're perfectly oh, fine right. on synthetic. Yes, so. yes. 
And I do have Clement, eight for 11 in the money, turf to synth in root races in 2022. So again, he, he knows what he's doing when he needs to. I'll touch on one real quick. My top choice was the seven who neither yeah. of you guys had, Angelou, 12 to one. And again, my only thought here was more about just pace. So looking at the pace ratings, I mean, I think this one could be the best speed. And in some of these races where I don't love the other horses, if I can get the best speed in the race at a price, who's also two for two on synth. And as you could see here, just when it made the move to synth after getting to the, into the Kevin Attard barn, I mean, it wins by 10, it wins by four. Now, again, it was made in special weight and optional claimers. So it's a big step up, but obviously it has a, a quite the affinity for the synthetic came back with two nice buyers. So again, if I can just get, the horse who is the pace horse i'll take that shot at 12 to 1 and then also maybe spread a little bit else but you know i have lost too many times to the horse that goes to the front that i don't have and it pisses me off every single time so all right you know i like it i i took that horse third pete and almost took her second yes considered taking her first so i i like that pick she's a i mean a solid b on on my grid Oh, I like it. I mean, yeah, again, you can't go wrong with speed. And if she doesn't, if she fades, great. But at least, you know, at least, you know, she's going to most likely be put you in the race, which, again, sometimes is all you can ask for. All right, let's go to the eighth, the second graded stakes, the grade two Bessarabian. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is one hundred and seventy five thousand dollar seven furlongs on the all weather. And we have, again, these, the one thing I like about this, we don't have any big favorites, another favorite five to two, the one horse Artie's princess. So this time we'll go to, let's see who we have. I, I don't know who we're going to go to Paul. You have the one Kyle, you have the three Paul, let's go to you. Cause you have the one, the favorite Artie's princess. So let's, let's talk about her first and I'll say her so we don't get confused, but go ahead, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, this is the other horse Jose came up to ride. You know, the it not so much this year, but the Presque Isle Downs Masters uh, has historically been, believe it or not, a, a good prep for the Philly and Mass Sprint. Uh, Groupie Doll won the Philly and Mass Sprint out of the mm-hmm. Presque Isle Downs Masters one year. So that's that's annually a pretty good race. So to win that race and, you know, to win it against her profile, you look at her profile, she's always on or near the lead. And in that race, seventh out of 11 and comes flying home. So that tells me that this mare is in pretty good, uh, very good form, actually. Uh, she is an Ontario bred. Uh, it's a Ken Ramsey horse. Uh, sat, we talked about Safi Joseph last race. He's, he's a high percentage trainer. And again, the for me, the icing on the cake was Jose coming up to ride and this being a specialized distance, two starts, one win and one second. So uh, I think uh, a lot of positives for this uh, Philly, uh, this mayor. Rather. Yeah, yep. And actually, one, one thing, too, if we go back to sort of the pace scenario, if you look at the time form, early pace, Artie's Princess, 121, the next horse, the four, Lorena, 100. So there's a huge pace advantage now from the one hole. We'll maybe have to leave. We'll see. We'll see how that works from the rail. But again, as I was as I was showing, I didn't want to interrupt. You see, he would beat in that in that race, too. We know that horse came came in as a bomb. Caravel <laughs> came up. And, oh. So yeah. that wasn't it turned out to be actually a pretty solid 
there was a couple of, you know, three next out winners, 85 buyer, 82 Caravel, you know, won that race with a 92. So that came, turned around to be a, a pretty solid race too, which you may not expect to get at, at Prescott Isle. So I like that. And then you have the six in, in second, Paul, we'll go down our flash drive for Mark Cassie and, and husbands. I really like this horse. I have this one on top, but I'll let you talk about it first. Well, you know, you mentioned at the top, Pete, you know, this was an interesting card because there were some familiar names. And, you know, I, I almost feel like Uncle Howard here. This is one of my <laughs> daughters or at least stepdaughters. I, I've played this horse many times. I think this horse is uh, pretty good. And if you look at her company lines, uh, she's uh, a length and a half off Fluffy Socks, who's a real good Chad Brown horse. Second to Rogier, who, depending upon what day of the week and what country we're running in, <laughs> is a very good turf horse. Uh, Lady Spice Sphere, okay, we, we saw her last week. So uh, I, I think that this horse is, is very solid, still only a four-year-old, doesn't throw in a lot of clunkers. If you look on the page, not, there's one-fifth in, in the Boston Spa, which was Chad Brown running one, two, three, I believe. Uh, so I, I just I always use this horse and no reason not to use her in this spot. No, I agree. And, and sort of just to follow up, I had a couple things, right? It was fantastic synthetic breeding on on both sides. And in that last one actually checked really badly, still ran on really well, took the lead. I thought it was I thought the race was over. And then that I think it just sort of wore down a bit from, you know, probably from the the tough trip but still ran on and has been, like you said, just running against really good company. So I, I definitely think this one has to be on the ticket. Kyle, we'll go to you for your top choice. The number three, Hazelbrook, who, if you look at this page, has pretty much done nothing wrong in almost every race, has one little clunker and the only loss here, Lady Spitesphere, who we just talked about. So plenty of things to like here. What drew you to this one on top? Just the fact that, um, granted, the one has the 124, There's, but there's about three other horses in this race that have about 100. Early time form pace, Fig, that is. Yeah. So the one might just be faster than everyone, but I did see a little bit of pace kind of set up here. And Woodbine, uh, so actually Dewey asked in the track uh, in the chat if, you know, Woodbine kind of favors a certain type of running style on this end. It, every re all the replays that I've watched, it seems pretty fair. Um, just going back and forth through this card, um, I watched a pretty decent amount of replays, especially for that two-year-old race and races coming up. Um, it plays pretty fair. Whether you know you get out fast, people are um, they're much inclined to come from the back. If you go slow, you walk the dog. You're more than welcome. Yeah, I mean, they're inviting you to take it for the front. So it plays pretty fair. The pace setup, I just thought favored this horse really well, and I'm worried that this horse might get bet down a lot because, as uh, as we all love to say, everyone loves ones. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of, of ones. ones on this page. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ones, especially at Woodbine. It's six for nine. So, again, I just think the pace is going to set up. You can use its tactical speed, sit in the pocket, hopefully, and just kind of go by the one either on the inside, like, um, like I've seen a lot of horses do at Woodbine, or kind of tip out at the top of the stretch. as was my hope. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. I mean, that's a hard one. I mean, that one's in such good form. It's hard to, again, it's hard to leave off your ticket. The only other thing I had was uh, I'll throw in, I had the horse in second, the eight loyalty at, at six to one, this one on the synth four for four, three for three at Woodbine. Again, it's a, it's a class step up, but I figure at the price has been working pretty well. Um, 
should be able to get, I mean, if you look at it, the trip should be able to get a decent stocking trip. And like you said, Kyle, this, this one was one of those ones in that sort of 98 to hundred plus range. Mm-hmm. So, but if this one can sit right off and maybe get first or second run, then I, I think this one could be quality and, and hopefully you get a price. So let's move it along. We'll go to the ninth race. The ninth made an optional claiming 40,000 per 70,700, a mile and a 16th on the all weather. And the favorite in this one is the one Geneva. So let's see. I have the one on top. Paul has the one in second. Kyle, you do not have the one at all. So we're going to go to you first. You have the sixth intro. What the heck do you do in this race, man? I mean, this race is this race was a puzzle in and of itself to try and figure out. Wide open. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as Gilbert Godfrey used to say, wide open. Wide open. Uh, but again, this horse, again, it's 0 for 12. But there's <laughs> the few races that it's run on synthetic, especially as back numbers for the buyers to be very competitive. As a maiden, this horse was thrown into um, the listed stake race at Woodbine in 21, 25 to 1, but lost to Mara by five and a quarter. And we all know, obviously, didn't run a lick in the Breeders' Cup, but we know the horse that that horse has turned out to be. So, yeah. Again, just especially the back. Synth. Right. Well, yeah, judge, uh, debatable on turf, but really yeah. good on the synth. But this horse just has back numbers. It did drop to Maiden 40, and it's ran two good races. Last one, I'm not holding against it. Again, going back to the synth, I just hope this horse can kind of run to its back numbers and hopefully can catch a piece. And if not, and it can get the right trip, can definitely get up to win. Yeah, I'm with you. I had even when I was making the pick, I'm like, I don't like any of them. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. have to pick the the lesser of many evils. So your second horse, the the eight. Mardine, I assume it's pronounced at six to one. What do you have? What do you have on this one? And this one ran against Geneva in the last race, but on the on the turf. What are your thoughts on this one? Again, it's just it's just <laughs> a back again. It's just trying to solve a puzzle that is you know existing. And I understand. I'm just trying to pick shop around a little bit now that I see you know everyone's love for the one. I might have to go back and reexamine. Horses like the one gumming different synthetic for the first time, but just the horses back numbers and the buyers. The last race at Woodbine and the main special weight wasn't bad. Goes to the turf, dropping into claiming, coming back to the synth. I think better suits this horse. And again, as long as it can run to that mid sixties type of range that we've seen from this horse before, I think it's definitely competitive. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's all we're looking for at this point. And then lastly, you have the two. Maralinga, a nice price at 12 to one hasn't shown a ton has a half decent buyer was this yeah. one just sort of price hunting or did you see anything anything that might pop out that says this one might be ready to to do something a little bit of price hunting i just like it going to the route the dam wins at wins three for 20 15 of the time it routes um dropping from special weight to clayton that last race really yep. was tried to run six wide really hasn't been bet down I'm just trying to find something. Like I said, going back, I might, I might try and just throw the one in there just to kind of go from the synthetic, uh, from the turf to synthetic. But again, just trying to price shop and trying to find horses that, um, that might be able to catch a price in a race that's so wide open as, as this one looks. I mean, this is probably the one to do it, Paul. You have the, you have the four on top. Tara Luna. Let's talk about that one. That one's sitting at three to one, second choice right now. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce the the trainer's name because I would murder it. But <laughs> what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I'd like to I'd like to buy a vowel. I know that's a, that's uh, a t- Zelko Kirkmar, I assume. 
Well, let's give it a shot. Uh, Kyle, I'll tell you, you and I both have the one, four, six in our top three, and, and this is why the race is a problem. I, I have a very solid negative on all three of them. <laughs> the trainer on the one is two for 17, turf to synthetic. And, you know, she did run um, She did run well last time, just missed. But the fact is she's had three chances now, was bet pretty good twice, and is still a maiden. The four, the trainer is uh, uh, the dam, rather. I believe I looked it up. It was the, the dam is 0 for 4 on uh, synthetic. Uh, and the seven... I mean, the six, rather, is 0 for 7 and, and 0 for 12 overall. So that tells me that we're either going to be right and, and get a pri- uh, not get the price we should or the tote board's going to blow up. So I just <laughs> – I didn't have your two or eight. I just made them seize uh, mm-hmm. just, just because. Because, uh, yeah. you know, you wouldn't think you'd need that much coverage. But like I say, I think those horses, Kyle, those three – that I just mentioned, and I picked the four on top. And, you know, the reason I picked the four on top, well, uh, started out made special, you know, yes, 0 for 10. Uh, Blinkers on, trainer doesn't do it, but it is a high percentage trainer, however you pronounce it. 22% at Woodbine, 23% for the year. Um, you know, took money the last two times, might drift up a little bit from that. Just missed last time. I mean, this is about as weak a case as anyone's ever made for a horse, <laughs> yeah. I understand. Yeah, I'm not running to the windows based on any of the cases we're making for, for any of these horses. So I, I think this one, yeah, I would say you can go price shopping. It's not that big of a field. And most of the horses are, are pretty low, which, and I didn't like the seven at all, hasn't really run a step. And then Kyle picked that, that two horse at, at 12. I had a note, hasn't taken any money and has run like it. So that's not exactly yeah. I mean, that's fair. a glowing endorsement <laughs> either. But, you know, again, maybe this is the one where you could catch a, catch a price or, you know, the one just runs away and, and runs, gets on the lead and runs away. Who the hell knows? I, I'm with you on this one. I, I have no clue. Um, I'm going to probably, I don't think I spread much just because of the ticket, but I think I would almost want to play everybody in an ABC scenario. All right, let's jump to the last race. The last one, uh, the tenth allowance optional claimers, thirty-two grand purse, hundred eleven thousand, which is lovely. Seven furlongs on the all-weather, and we have the favorite again. Another another sort of light favorite, the eleven Pioneers Edge at three to one. So let's see who we got here. We're gonna go with Paul this time to start the number seven Magic Ride. Let's see. We have, what are your thoughts on this one? What did you, hey, HHH Racing Podcast in there. Who's that Who's that guy? I don't know. Never so heard of him. Can't we block, can't we like block I, that or, or get rid of it or something? I hope he's subscribed. Pete, make sure he's subscribed. <laughs> uh, he's one of those old people who doesn't know how YouTube works probably. So oh, how about, oh, very good. Very good. Uh, the, the number good. seven, Magic, <laughs> I try every once in a while. The number seven, Magic Ride, six to one. For Rachel Halden, um, what are your thoughts here, Paul? Yeah, what, what drove you to this one? You know, Pete, to be honest with you, I was kind of I, – I thought the 7, 10, and 11 in my book were fairly equal, and I went with the highest price of the three and the best speed figure of the three. I like uh, that. The, uh, the, the, the 7 coming off that uh, 84 from the rail last time in which she broke – by the way, is this like an all-Philly card? All we keep saying is yeah. she, 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 she
um, you know, I, I, I thought that was a good race. Um, you know, again, like I say, I use the 10 and 11. They're all going to be A's on my, on my grid. Uh, yeah. The 10, uh, one first time out for Josie Carroll from the rail. We already talked about that earlier, that that's not easy to do. So definitely want to use that horse. And real quick, you know, real this quick, 11, on, uh, sorry, real quick on that 10. If yeah. you watch that race, we don't have to go watch the replay, but that horse for a first time starter broke pretty badly, was sort of green, was sort of running up a little bit on horses and still, and then came up the rail for the win, which also is a tough thing to do for a, you know, for a first time starter or a young horse. So this horse had everything go wrong and still comes out with a win. If it could actually run well and run straight and run, you know, break, this one might be pretty tough, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Pete. That's not easy to do. And, and then to hold on to boot and, you know, took, took enough money for four to one first time yeah. out is, is taking some money. And, you know, I was just saying the 11, you know, the 11, breaks her maiden uh they put her in a listed stakes and she just about wins and then they put her in the you know a a, a good grade three that they run up there the saline which is uh, and that super hoity-toity is a pretty good horse so and then here's moira again uh you know the, mm -hmm. all this 11 does is lose the horses who come back and win next time you know it's yeah, happened pretty... the last four races yeah sister seagull turned out to be really nice as well and i think um the loss to Moira here, only lost by a head, was sort of making up ground. I mean, th yeah, this one, yeah. this one's a pretty logical favorite. The only thing I looked at, the outside posts at this configuration at Woodbine don't do well. So I was a little timid about that. Um, oh, um, hey, we have a, let's say there's a, I was told there's a special guest backstage awaiting our let's arrival. bring somebody in. Hey. Mr. Coatney, are you there? Can you hear us? I see you're on mute, but I don't know if you can, if you're actually listening. Hey, what's going on? Hey, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm back in a car again. I, I mean, <laughs> you're just driving just, around in limos now that you're now yes, that you're yes, loaded, just like, driving around constantly with champagne and limos. I love it. Get out of here! No, I was commercial <laughs> in the back, like the best of them. <laughs> I feel no, like a talk radio host. Drew in the car. You're next on the podcast. <laughs> Hey, hey, first time, long time. That's right. And then yeah. on always, man. Second time for you, sir. Drew, I, I, I did get uh, – we, we will digress. I did get around to listening to your show with PTF. And, boy, I'll tell you, everyone who ever should dream of playing a contest should listen to it. Not that any of us are going to be in the position to make a $100,000 wager, but – the idea about having a plan and sticking to it. And I think if I counted right through, there were four, any one of four times a horse lost, you were done, right? You were all in three times before the classic. Yeah. All in, uh, all in, uh, I think four or five. I, I, I want to go back and add it up. I might be the biggest loser to win. I think I lost about $28,000. <laughs> Uh, which comes into very key play when you're trying to figure out your taxes at the end of the day. So, oh, it's um, great. No, it was great. Yeah, it's... And we just released a video, I think it was this morning, with the overlays of the photos. Some guy with Kyle, I don't know his last name still, but Kyle's a star. No one, no one ever realizes my last <laughs> name. Dead. Uh, if you want to see a grown man cry, I think at the last 10 minutes, they show my reaction video with uh, Kyle patting me on the back as uh, as we got. Don, don't, don't make me watch it again, bro. I swear. 
I was just going to say, Drew, whether it's, you know, we all have had those type of, not those type of moments winning the half million dollars, but, you know, those times at the track where you just, someone's there and, and, and it looks like our guy Kyle was kind of an unsung hero for you that day. No, apparently not. Apparently, he no, was, no, it's right. not even worth the worth the talk. It's Drew, like Beetlejuice. You, you still there with us, Drew? It's like Beetlejuice. You mentioned my name too many times, and everything goes <laughs> and to everything goes to crap. I don't mean maybe he's in the tunnel, or the you know the the, the champagne is the champagne spilled on his phone. <laughs> so he, but, but no, just and I know, um, I know that uh, Howard is going to have. You mentioned he has Matt and Brad. And Drew next week. And oh, it, oh, you're back. There you are, Drew. You're, you're back. back. There you are, Drew. You're back. Uh, oh. You went silent Oops, that whole uh, time. As soon as uh, as soon as Paul Paul asked a question about Kyle and you went silent, so we just figured you were done with him and you didn't want to talk to him anymore. So <laughs> no, no, I was I was saying sorry. I'm in rural Texas right now, so hit or miss cell service. <laughs> but first off, I'm here to support you guys. So keep handicapping. Ask me any questions you want. Yep. Um, but I was gonna. Every time, uh oh, every time we love we're losing you again, Drew. Question on Kyle, I was talking about Vic. Of Damn. I swear, every time he mentions your name, Kyle, it just black. <laughs> you're right, you're Candyman or Beetlejuice, one of those two. Uh, but um, we'll ask Drew what he likes when, yeah, yeah. Uh, Drew, you're going completely in and out. You get soup. I don't know if you can hear me or at all, but you, oh, there you go. He went on mute really quick. All right, we're, real quick. While we'll wait for Drew to, well, to sort of catch it, and then we'll we'll actually go through our pick fives, and then if Drew comes back on, yeah. we'll we'll sort of jump in. So actually, we'll start. Paul, we'll start with you. Let's bring up. Let's put us on the. Let's put us on the big screen here. Let's get our beautiful faces up there. I'm a ticket. All right, I'll read it off for the for the audio listeners. So Paul's pick five. Oh, good. Four, six, seven, eight with six, seven, nine with one, three, six with one, four with seven, ten, eleven, and that is a cost of forty three dollars and twenty cents. And just for everyone listening or watching, the Woodbine pick five is a twenty cent minimum. So I assume I didn't do the math. I assume this is a twenty cent ticket, Paul, that you have here. Yes. So what was your yes. what was your strategy yeah, well, here? Well, as you could see, I'm I'm pretty top heavy at the beginning. Uh, you know, I, I I was when we had to do our top three selections. I had four, four horses: the four, six, seven, and eight. So while I landed on the four, four, eight, six for the top three, I definitely wanted to include the seven. Uh, interestingly, in the second leg, I I had the three third in our picks, but. More as a board horse. I did not use uh, that horse in the caveman, but the seven who I had as a B. Your seven, Pete Angelo. Oh, okay, beautiful. I have on my caveman ticket uh, over one of my picks that I I picked in the top three. Uh, the eighth, I thought I was fairly straightforward. I just went with the top three picks that I had in the race. I, I think one of those three will win. Uh, the ninth was a leg that. You know, this is one of those legs. We just got through talking about it. I, I think in a caveman, you know, either you, you're going all or almost almost all, or you might as well just if, 
in a, in a regular one, I probably would say single, but with 20 cents, you don't really have to single. So I just went too deep and, and went with the one and four. And then, as I just mentioned, I thought in the last leg, those three, I thought they were all pretty equal. So I finished it up with those three, seven, 10, 11. No, and I like that. And again, that was a $43.20 ticket, which is a fantastic lead into Kyle's pick five, which also came in at a swip at a brisk $43.20. So Kyle has four, six, seven, eight with three, six, eleven, with one, three, six, with two, eight, six, with seven, ten. So Kyle, walk us through your ticket. So, I mean, completely agree. I'm a lot, I'm pretty top heavy in the top and I have exactly the same horses that Paul does my top three. And then I added in the six, which is the first time starter for that tap at first time starter in there. If, uh, if, uh, she's ready off of that, um, for Josie Carroll off the, off the bench, then she'll be ready to go. And actually I did look it up, Paul. We do. It is an all Philly sequence. It is all for Phillies and mares. So (laughs) we didn't, we didn't like fever dream that, um, (laughs) The seventh race, three, six, eleven. Again, just my top three. I just I don't see really anybody else for me. I don't know who I would add, except maybe the seven that Pete and Paul both liked. But again, since it's twenty cents, you know, we obviously we have a fifty dollar budget that we like to stay under. As Paul would say, Uncle Howard likes to keep us at a budget. <laughs> but um cheap, I mean like I said, Uncle you, Cheap Howard. Cheapo. <laughs> Cheapo, yeah. But I mean, like I said, it's 20 cents. You can get creative a lot depending on your bankroll. So, but like Paul said, it's 20 cents. You don't necessarily have to single in a sequence like this just because it is so cheap. But if you do single, it's definitely an ability to press up. So you could play for, you know, 40 cents, 50 cents or whatever if you do find a single in this type of sequence. But I'm going to go 3 6 11 in the second race. In the in the eighth, in the best of best Arabian, I believe. Um, yep. Again, just my top three picks. Paul said it best. I don't see anyone else that I would add in that race. The ninth race, I went two eight six. I would probably relook at that, and I would switch the two with uh, your both uh, your top pick, Pete, and I believe Paul's second pick, the one um, going from turf to synthetic. That's probably where I would switch. Just kind of again, you're just trying like that's race for me is I'm just trying to pick the best out of the you know what's up front of me, but. <laughs> Um, in the last race, I, I loved that you guys touched on it, but I love that move that the 10 did, uh, first time out to be able to come over, come up the rail with a brand new horse like that. I love that type of angle with the, uh, just a severely professional horse that it's first time start and it, you can easily take a step forward from that. So I really love the 10, but popping that 84 buyer for that seven, I'm going to add him in there add her in there as well. Yeah. Um, and like I said, since you don't really have the single in a sequence like this. No, I like that ticket. All right, I will get to mine because we have uh, some folks waiting backstage to come on as well. So my pick five ticket, the four, six with seven, 10, 11 with one, three, six, eight with one, six with six, seven, 10, 11. And actually, I, Paul sort of said it best. And so in the sixth, I sort of really like that first time starter, the six victorious tap it. And then the, the four, the favorite. The seventh, I just sort of went with my top three, including that seven, who the speed, the the top speed horse, Angelou. In the eighth, I I just went, it's not the best ticket because it's probably taking, I think, the top four choices, but those were the four that I thought had the best shot to win. So I went a little deeper there. 
in the ninth, which we all thought was a toss-up race, I, I sort of went with what you said, Paul. I said, screw it. I'm just going to go short in that one because I don't really love anyone, so I don't want to waste a bunch of money. But if I was doing an ABC, I would back them up and try and maybe catch a price. And then in the 10th, I just sort of – I love that 7. I love the 10, like you said. But, again, the 10 and 11 aren't the best posts at Woodbine. The 11 looks like on class, looks really good. And then we didn't get to talk about the 6, but the 6 is just another quality horse that just runs its race every single time so um and that ticket costs 38 dollars and 40 cents i had one more horse on there paul it had me up to like 57 but i didn't want to get yelled at even if it's off air so i i said i'll be nice and drop it down and make it cheap for the for the listeners so actually you could have said 57 can you should have said 57 canadian is (laughs) canadian 95 You know, I didn't I didn't feel like looking up the conversion rates and trying to figure out if that was a bargain or not. So I figured I figured I'll just let it go and go cheap for once. All right. So we'll we have backstage. Let's bring on El Cheapo himself, Mr. (laughs) Howard Kravitz. Wow. That's rough. You're you're on mute. What's up, guys? Kyle, our tickets are so close. I'm putting mine in for 43. You put yours in for 43. We will split if we get it. Okay. <laughs> I'm down. Let's do it. Hey, uh, Drew, can you hear us, by the way? I can. I should have good cell service, but if it drops okay. out, I'll hey, Drew, you. And we'll- Real quick, Drew, I'd oh. love you to stay on for a minute and meet, uh, I don't know if you've met him personally or not, Jim Miller will be coming on in just a minute from Hawthorne Racecourse. So, Drew, stay on for a minute when we switch to Jim Miller, if you can. You can say hello uh, to the wonderful Jim Miller. Drew, do you have some prices in this Woodbine sequence? I know you... I believe you did a segment already with PTF, or you're going to be doing. Yeah, the only price I had, and I don't have my PPs in front of me, and looking at those while driving is dangerous. And oh. it's the two. It's the <laughs> oh, you're two driving. Horse. My bad. I know you're actually driving. Okay. It, it's the two horse. I believe it's right after the best Arabian at 12 to 1. Um, oh, Maralinga. That's, that's Kyle's, that's Kyle's horse. Kyle. Kyle. That, that was that was Kyle's horse, Drew. Wow. So Drew, you've rubbed off on the young our... man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, he, he's uh, he's rubbed off on me too. Uh, I think we've given more hugs than I have in my entire life to that man. So okay. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, re- three real quick things. Then Jim, we're going to bring you on literally in two minutes here. And, and Drew, feel free to stay on also for a minute. Um, people ask about the track condition. As Kyle knows very well, it is going to turn very cold starting tomorrow here in Chicago. Our fall has been unbelievable. It was, guys, it was 74 and sunny here today yes, in it Chicago. Was. It was absolutely gorgeous. I stayed outside a little extra longer as the sun was going down because it'll be four months since we feel that again. <laughs> My point, though, I want to make is Woodbine, it's going to be cold up there on Saturday. And, and Kyle knows this. Sometimes when this poly track or synthetic uh, gets colder, it does tighten up and it could favor speed. Uh, because when it's warmer, it's sort of a waxy kind of surface. I don't know for sure. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I would just watch the way the track plays. It could be more speed favoring than normal, number one. Number two, Drew, in honor of you and Matt Miller and Brad Anderson, I'm going to do something a little different on uh, Saturday. I'm going to play a small pick five, but I'm going to put $200 uh, and play my own little contest and try to build it up to 2000 Usually you need times 10. So I'm going to go to Woodbine. I'm going to play doubles and wins only with those 200 bucks. See what I can do. Drew, I'm practicing for next year's BCBC already. How about that? Uh, I love it. Okay. 
And, and I love it. And if anyone doesn't do that, <laughs> oh, just made all right, sorry, Drew. You're, Drew, you're going in and out. We'll, we'll 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 hold off just a second, Drew. And the other last thing before I bring on Jim Miller and let you guys go, I do want to bring up next week because next week I, you know, I, I Pete and Paul and Kyle, we talked for this. I things are slowing down a little bit. I thought it'd be a great idea to do some evergreen content. So let me show the viewers what we got going on next week because I really think um, it's going to be an ex- uh, some exciting shows, uh, and it's not going to be handicapping at all. But it's me too. Oh, what happened here? Hold on. All right, we're having we're having. We were doing fine oh. when Pete was running it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know what's going on. Well, let's try it one more time, guys. We got two great shows. Uh, let's see what's going on. All right, here we go. There two we great go. shows going on. Next Tuesday, I'm calling it BCBC Mathematics. It's gonna be the last three champions. Pete already mentioned this. You do not have to be a math expert, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're going to get in sort of how you make bets in the BCBC or really how to make the most efficient, efficient, uh, bets in general. And as Drew knows, Marshall will be talking about his pick one. That's right. You heard that correctly. His pick one. So it's going to be really fascinating. I highly recommend everyone join us. I'm sure Jim Miller will be interested in both these shows next Tuesday. We're kind of the math of betting. It's going to be fascinating. And then next Thursday, flight line. Where does he fit with the greats? Take a look at that lineup, guys. We're going to have a retired, recently retired, fantastic journalist from the DRF, or formerly Jay Privman, and also Saratoga Special's Tom Law, plus our whole panel. We're basically going to talk about, guys, where Flightline fits in the pantheon of great horses. Uh, it's a fascinating conversation. And while we do that, let's bring on Jim, Jim Miller, guys, with all of us on, on screen. Jim, we're going to bring you on right now. Jim Miller... From Hawthorne Racecourse, Jim, how are you doing tonight? Um, I'm doing good, guys. I love the hat, Howard. It's a, it's a wonderful hat, so very proud of you there, my man. <laughs> Got to represent. Jim, we're going to talk a little about Flightline and get to Hawthorne, but while everyone's here, Jim, how is your Breeders' Cup uh, experience uh, from the betting angle or just watching in general? Yeah, two really two observations that I came away from the Breeders' Cup with. Uh, first of all, I mean, Flightline, you guys have talked about it. Super impressive performance, something that I thought was just fantastic to close out the card. The thing that I found the most impressive was how European riders rode all weekend long. The amount of ground-saving trips, the amount of times that they were just patient, the amount of victories that came from their patients or near wins that came from their patients. It killed me, and I know it's a horse that you like too, Howard. Watching the trip from obligatory in the Philly and Mare Sprint, this was a horse that if you look at the race and watch, everybody fanned out at the top of the lane. And if the, they just waited, had a little bit of patience, probably could have come through along the inside, maybe run second in the race. But how many times these European riders just wait, 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 wait. And so often the hold did come clear and they were able to work their way through. I thought that was one of the more impressive things, just the, the overall efforts from the European horses on the turf, but the riders giving them the trips to put them in a spot to win too. Uh, Jim, European horses were in seven Breeders' Cup races. They won Six. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. Jim, we'll talk about that a little more. Uh, Pete, Paul, Kyle, as usual, fantastic job. Pete, especially hosting tonight. Great. We look forward to talking to you guys uh, next Thursday. We're going to see everyone on the show when we talk about the great flight line and where he fits. Pete, Paul, and Kyle, thanks a lot, guys. Have a great night. Take care, everyone. See you, everybody. All right. Jim, yes, hope sir. you had a good week. I, we were just talking about the weather. Yeah. The weather, sir. 
uh, has been unbelievable this fall in Chicago. I mean, I, I, I had to wait a few extra minutes outside today, Jim, just to sort of soak it all in. As you know, it was like 75%. I'm in what I was wearing today. T-shirt and Ab- shorts. Absolutely crazy. However, the bottom's about to drop out, as you well know. And I'm fascinated to ask you about how that might affect the track conditions. Yep. But we'll, let's just get into that right now. I'm going to bring up the PPs. Jim, why is this particular Friday's pick four uh, of note for everyone watching other than the obvious PPs? Well, the main reason it's of note is we're doing something that we've done a lot on the standard bread and bringing it over to the thoroughbred end. And that's a guaranteed pool for the late pick four. So what we want to do is we want to make things a little bit more appealing. You look at pick four pools, maybe they get 10, 12, 15,000. A good day, you get up to 20,000. We're going to guarantee it for 25,000 and make sure that we can get this pool generating a little bit more interest. So your later races are going to be a little bit more wide open races. It's a lot of your bigger fields later on in the day. The other thing you find too, Howard, is there's more of a focus on Hawthorne now at this time of year, because after daylight savings time kicks in, a lot of these racetracks that don't have lights, they're done by the time our late pick four starts. So it's basically going to be us on the West Coast that are rolling. All we have to do is avoid the races out there from Del Mar. And if we can do that, then we're going to be just fine. But that's the reason we did it for the late pick four sequence. It's a really good sequence. I'm excited about it. And I'm curious to see how the track plays because you mentioned that, Howard. Here's the thing. For the betters, it may not be as much of a factor on Friday because temps are going to be in the mid to upper 40s. Saturday and Sunday, the first freeze of the year is the best time to play the races at Hawthorne because it's inside speed, inside speed, inside speed. And the reason I say that, the Fontana Rail, and we've talked about it, casts a shadow over the inside path. That doesn't thaw as quickly as the remainder of the racetrack. So the inside's so, so good throughout the course of the day. Later in the day when the sun goes down, things even out a little bit. But the first half of cards, Saturday and Sunday, are going to be so much speed-favoring type of racetracks. It's such great insight, folks, to have someone like Jim Miller and and highly recommend people bet Hawthorne. These angles are absolutely true, and you can make a, a crap ton. I, yeah. said, I, I I'm so excited about the possible money we can make. I almost swore on it. <laughs> you can make a lot of money, Jim. Let, let's let's jump into the pick four, sir, right now. Uh, there's the first uh, race of the pick four sequence. It starts in race five. So that's about 5.35 Eastern time. Again, about 5.35 Eastern time. It's 8,500 uh, claimers. They're going six furlongs, filling mares, three and up. We see the field there. It's a big field. They got the favorite on the outside, number nine, Cozy's Ghost, a Florida bred for Scott Becker, Victor Santiago. And I got to bring up, sorry, I didn't bring up the banners. I apologize. Hold on a second here. I have banners <laughs> for us to bring up. Where are they? Let me find them. There they are. All right. Uh, Jim, you're going to go with the Minnesota bred, the number eight. Birdie be gone for Joel Burnt and uh, Roman. Minnesota brides have had such a tremendous meet all meet long. And it's not just Joel Burnt. It's Tim Padilla, Tony Rangsdorf, you name it. They're doing so well. And Birdie be gone just might get the trip here because this is a horse that's going to lay close to the pace but doesn't need the lead to win. And you look at that last out. This was a trip where the horse got hung a little bit wide there in that spot. And that's the one thing that I think worked a little bit against Birdie Be Gone. And that was the first race over this Hawthorne Strip. But you look at that race, Go Storming Girl is in this spot. Sweet Confusion is in this spot. Owen's Pleasure is in this spot. But the race was a little bit different for the fact that Go Storming Girl was forwardly placed, but you only had a couple of horses up there on the lead. And you're seeing that from the replay right now. When you look at this fifth race on Friday, 
there's the potential to four horses out there possibly duking things out on the front end. And because of that, I think you can look a little bit further back for somebody to come from a bit out of it. And you see Birdie be gone here. Didn't have a bad trip, but Foggy Kitten was able to cruise along. Go Storm and Girl got an absolute dream trip in that spot. But I think Birdie be gone. Gets a similar trip, rates close, but I think this is a horse that will run on late a little bit more in this spot. And you see here, had to be hung out there a little bit wide, so you hope to save a little bit of ground in this race, but I think you get a little bit better price. And still, you use Ghost Storm and Girl, you use Cozy's Ghost. Sweet Confusion was a horse that was rallying late for place, and I do think you get out of those first leg with those four horses. Well, I really like Sweet Confusion right here. I'm going to back up for a one. The seven is Sweet yep. Confusion, who is the four on Friday. You see an absolutely horrific start right here by Sweet Confusion. I'm going to go ahead and fast forward a little bit. Then, um, you know, the horse is moving up, has to go in between horses. You're going to see then the horse steadies here, come up here yep. and just stuck in here. Right, right there is a steady, loses momentum, is climbing, is just all over the place, Jim. And then again, we show the stretch where she's still coming on, only lost to your horse by just a bit. This is definitely a trip play, although I do think um, Sweet Confusion is going to get bet down off of this because a lot of people uh, are very astute handicappers, especially here in the Chicagoland area, and see this replay here, Jim. So I don't think I'm going to get the price I want on Sweet Confusion. And that's a big rider quick, change too, Howard. I mean, you're going from Cotter to Morris to Jareth Loveberry. That's a big change in the saddle too. Yeah, big big rider change for the four there uh, to Loveberry, as you mentioned. So we're going to go ahead and move on, Jim. But it, it's a wide open race. I'm going to go with the four. Jim is going to go with the eight. We're both price shopping just a little bit there yep. in that leg. Let's go to race six, ladies and gentlemen. Race six, the second leg of the pick four. Again, this is Friday's pick four, everyone, with a guaranteed $25,000 pool. Jim, uh, just ballpark figure based on past history. Let's put us on screen. Um, how do you think it will be in the kitty tomorrow? I think you're probably going to be 30000 $35,000, only for the fact that our marketing department's done a really good job of promoting this wager. It's a 15% takeout. It's just a 50-cent base minimum, so you can get a lot of coverage. But again, it's the timing of when we're doing it. We didn't launch it before the Breeders' Cup because of daylight savings time. Less competition out there. I think you're going to get more activity. And usually the fifth and sixth race on the card, Howard, are your biggest handle races. And for Hawthorne, when you talk big handle, you're talking 250, 260,000 for the pool for the race. These races probably now go around 300,000. But you get that interest early on in the sequence. It carries through the remainder of the card, too. So, yeah, I'm expecting thirty to 35000 in the pool. That That's a handle you said per race. Just a touch over what Drew Cotney bet on flight line in the last oh, race of BC. I'm assuming you heard, Jim, a $97,000 oh, yeah. all-in bet. Pretty cool. Uh, I love it. For, for Drew Cotney. Uh, race six right here. Optional 27.5 allowance. Six furlongs. Really nice. These are Illinois breads. Nice purse here as well. You got a pretty big field of eight with the Moorline favorite number four, White Lies. Patty Miller, Keenone, as you can see on the screen, Jim is going to go with the eight. And so am I, Jim. I really like this horse quite a bit. Lily's Woofy. What do you like about this Jared Loveberry ridden horse? Yeah. What do you like about the Yeah, and, and I do too. And here's the thing about this race. When I... Jim, you're, we've, you froze up on us, Jim. Um, I'm I was looking through this race, Howard. There's a little bit of speed in this spot. 
Uh oh. Go ahead, Jim. You you froze up on us with the. I'm freezing up on you. I'm sorry there. You're okay now. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. No. No problem at all. All right. So Lily's Woofy is a horse that I do like as well. I think this is a horse that rates up close to the pace in here. Cat attacks a horse that should be able to show some speed, but cat attacks really more of a grass horse. And that's the thing about it is this is a horse that I don't know how they're going to handle the main track. Lily's Woofy loves this Hawthorne main track. Five of seven on the board, three of them coming as victories. It's a barn that's had a pretty good meet. Again, you get Jareth Loveberry in the saddle, and there's really not a whole lot of other pace. So I think cat attack can go out there and clear I think Lily's Wolfie follows right in behind, and these two should tuck in on that run down the backside. But White Lies is the horse that's going to take all the action because the horse is dropping out of the stake. But the running style doesn't really suit for White Lies in this field. It's a horse I'd use on my ticket, but it's not a horse I'm going to use on top. I think Lily's Wolfie definitely provides a little bit more value in here. Jim, I've got an angle that's been pretty effective with thoroughbreds. It's been especially effective with standard breads. I don't know if you feel the same way I do. I'm very much against horses coming out of stake races, coming back relatively quickly because you have to figure the trainer connections that are gearing up for a stake race. It's yeah. not like they cannot win, but they're always over bet because everyone sees the line. They're coming back from stake races. I found these horses kind of underperform very consistently, Jim. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit against White Lies. I have her in third. I agree with everything you said with Lily's uh, Woofy, who's been involved in some fast paces, has a month off now, um, and, and it has a, a bullet, by the way, 47, um, you know, best out of 24 on November 6th. And I agree with you, the seven is just a weird spot. I mean, I love Michelle Boyce. When you look at the breeding, um, you know, the damn Kitty's Castle is almost exclusively poly and turf and there's really only one sibling that's done any running at all in the dirt so i think this is just a case of michelle really has nowhere else to go with this philly i mean we're not you know, it's not going to be on turf you guys are not running very many turf races anymore i'm completely against this horse other horse i want to mention quickly is the six so you don't have anywhere but i thought galeb the great or Gallup the great was interesting getting back to the dirt gym getting back you know to softer company um I'm, i don't like the fact that She's in for the 27.5. It's a bit of a pet peeve for me, but absolutely has dirt races on the go back that can win. I mean, was running at, at Oakland Park, for goodness sakes, in the spring. So I'm very interested in the six, also a bit of a price. I'm going 8.64. Any other quick thoughts before we go to the next race? Uh, well, the one thing about it, that is a horse. So I threw a fourth horse on my pick four ticket, and that was the horse. The six horse was another one that I think you do have to use. Iggy Biggs was a horse that was a little bit interesting to me in this spot, Howard, only because it's the same connections of Lily's Woofy. So curious to see what pace scenarios Lily's Woofy goes. Maybe Iggy Biggs tucks in just behind. But again, Iggy Biggs, White Lies, Cat Attack, all these horses following your angle, dropping out of a stake into a race here. You tend to wonder, do they underperform or not? You know they're probably going to be over bet. I think we are on the right horse there with Lily's Woofy. I think so. And Iggy Biggs is the five, everyone. Sorry, yep. off screen. The five, just let everyone know. All right, Jim, let's go on to the penultimate leg of this uh, pick four. It's race seven. And we, Jim, look at the bottom of the screen, buddy. We we totally agree here with our top two. Hopefully, it's great minds. Hopefully, it's great minds think alike and not knuckleheads think alike. Well, I'd be the only knucklehead. You, of course, are definitely a great mind. Allowance race. Let's go ahead to it. Allowance race. Uh, again, we got um, the Phillies and Mares here. They're going six furlongs. They're all six furlong dirt races, by the way, in this sequence. You got a big field of 12 with a morning line, great name. Uh, for Ravelli and Loveberry, Maureen loves Frank, Florida bred. 
Neither one of us are going with Maureen or Frank. We're going with the seven journeyest and Illinois bred for the aforementioned Michelle Boyce. Yeah, and the, th- and the thing about Maureen Loves Frank is Larry Ravelli in Illinois takes so much money. And you're going to have to overcome the 12-hole with a horse that's not going to make the top, probably going to get hung wide a little bit. And there's just so much that kind of works against it in here. And then on top of it, this was a horse that was four to five in that last out. Long Tall Woman comes out of that same race, and Long Tall Woman was way ahead of Maureen Loves Frank. That one gets the rail. Maureen Loves Frank gets the outside here. Here's the thing. Journeyist did exactly what you wanted to see in that last out. You were coming in off the layoff, and that was a long layoff. The horse made the top, won rather easily, was not used under the wire. This was a horse that I thought had more than enough left in the tank. And you get a field here where, again, nobody else is really committed to the top. And that's the thing about it is you kind of look through here. It was a state bred allowance. This is a great move because in Illinois, you get that ability coming out of that state bred allowance now to run the open first level allowance and go right from there and get Illinois bred bonus money. But you're looking at it here. I mean, Constantino Roman is keeping after the horse a little bit, but he's not really whipping and driving. He's looking back, seeing what he has. He has more than enough left in the tank aboard this horse. And this was a horse that I thought won rather easily. The thing about Long Tall Woman on the inside, Howard, the horse does have four wins over the track, but the horse has a tendency to hang. And the horse hung pretty badly on that last start out behind Honey Mug because Long Tall Woman should have run on by. And I actually picked Honey Mug in that race, so I was happy with the price I got on that one. I just think Journeyist is the one that makes the top. This is a horse that could cruise along, and I think this is a horse that will be very tough. If Long Tall Woman gets away from the inside, yes, could be in the mix. But I'm with you. I think you throw out the outside horse, try to catch a little bit of a price, and this is kind of a key race for the sequence. Yeah, I mean, Jim, upside, I didn't want to do that. This is all about upside to me. I mean, Journeyus does not lay over the field by any means. In fact, you could argue she's a bit slow. It's a newly turned three, or not newly turned, second start for three-year-old Michelle Boyce. This horse could easily explode to a low 70s. Wouldn't surprise me. I don't think she needs a lead. We don't really know, of course, but she's been working well. This is like the kind of horse I just love. I don't think we're getting nine to two. I think she's more like three to one. But um, there's not a ton of early speed. I think she can rate. She's a fresh face. I, I, I love everything about uh, Journeyist, and I agree with you. Uh, I, I think she, in fact, if you want to play a smaller ticket, Jim, I could see people singing, singling the horse. If you really want to take a stand, sort of a bit of a separator, right? This would be a great horse to single if you agree with uh, with me and, and you, correct? And when you talk about horses for the course, some horses handle Hawthorne better than others. Tighter turns, longer stretch. This horse four starts at Hawthorne four times on the board. Both victories have come over the racetrack. Again, draws well. No reason to think this horse isn't going to get a really good trip and be right there the entire way. Totally agree. Let's go to the last race, which is a bit of a uh, cheaper race to close out the sequence. But uh, it's a field to me that I don't think you have to go very deep. However, it's hard to trust anyone. It's one of those kind of (laughs) tricky races, Jim. The race uh, is is going to start at about 7 p.m. Eastern time to, to close it out. Great Way to close out the your day of races before you go grab dinner with the family. It's uh, claiming 62.5. They're going six furlongs. Again, it's Philly and Mares. It's a nice field. The Moyline favorite. And I, I think, Jim, this is a horse that we talked about on our show last yes. night, yep. I, I believe. And we both like this horse, I believe. Yep. Uh, the number four, Lucy's looking left. Another Minnesota bred, as you mentioned, for Robertson and Loveberry. That is the horse you're going to go to uh, to repeat for yourself and close out this pick four. 
I'm happy with the horse that you use, though, too. So we'll touch on both of these. So we can start with Lucy's looking left. It's kind of that light bulb angle. You get these horses that figure it out. The light bulb goes off. They learn how to win. The one thing I like about this horse when they last out, one from the 10 hole, too. Didn't make the lead. Made kind of a wide move the whole way around. And then won rather easily. Didn't have to beat a whole lot there, but still got the job done. You draw really well in this spot, and the horse will take a lot of action off that because it's Loveberry and Robertson. The horse you're on, though, Howard, is the horse that I like quite a bit as well, and the post is the reason we might get a little bit of a price. That's the 11 first kitten. This is a horse that defeated Lucy's looking left in that start two back. They tried a turf allowance in that last down. I'm not quite sure why they went that route, but they did try that route. That was a little bit too tough. The jock Alexis Centeno has actually ridden really well this meet. Eight victories out of 34 starts, winning at a 24% clip. He's just been riding with a whole lot of confidence. Don't worry about the outside draw here. This is a long run down the backside. You look, you can go probably six horses to the inside of first kitten and not really find anybody to challenge pace-wise. So this horse should be able to clear over. My only concern is Lucy's looking left is maybe maybe able to get the jump. But I do I think these are the two that are clear in the lane. This is purely a pace play. I mean, I, Jim, I, I have zero confidence in this horse, but like you said, I mean, who's going with this horse early? Santana's going to be aggressive. She's going to clear unless she doesn't break. I don't know about the six furlongs, but I'll take my chances with a you know possible speed favoring kind of track. By the way, it's going to be windy again tomorrow, Friday here as we're filming, so you got to check that out as we've talked about. The thing about the Lucy's looking left, and, and I don't have any insight other than just looking to PPs and watching replays, she might prefer the outside. I mean, Maybe. when she's inside, sort of like buried down, I don't know if she doesn't like to take dirt. I don't know what the story is. She ran so well last time from the outside. And maybe the light bulb did come on, Jim, or maybe she just wants to be on the outside in the clear. So I don't know. To me, that number is so much better than everything else after nine lifetime starts. It makes me a little bit concerned. And she's going to be like seven to five. I have no desire to pick this one. <laughs> On top, no disrespect at all, Jim, because I'm probably doing a little stinking picking here, but I would never bet this horse to win anything less than 5-2, personally. Yeah. And then the two, really quick, who we both have yeah. uh, you know, on our top three, I would not completely rule out Wicked Good might be just that. I like the drop. I think she can be a little bit closer uh, than she has been in the past for Granite and Mojica. I have no real confidence in the 4-11, and 11, Jim, as we go ahead and and bring up our ticket here. You'll see how I feel about this last race. Let's talk about your ticket first. I'll read it off again for the people that are going to be listening. Jim's pick four, late pick four ticket. Again, this is for Friday, ladies and gentlemen. For Friday, $25,000 guarantee pick four uh, in the kitty at Hawthorne Racecourse. Four, five, eight, nine with four, five, six, eight with one, five, seven with four, 11. Nice $48 ticket, Jim. The cool thing about it, you only have to beat a couple of favorites to really get a nice return. Your favorite probably comes in that last leg. I think you have vulnerable favorites in races five, six, and seven. So because of that, White Lies, definitely vulnerable. Marine loves Frank, vulnerable. And then you'll have to see what you get out of race number five. See how the track plays. Like you mentioned, Howard, two things that happen. If you get that wind out of the west and it's a headwind in the lane, it's a little bit more of a front-end track. If it's a crosswind like we've seen the last couple days out of the south, and it probably won't because it's going to get cold, kind of changes the complexion of the race too. But I think you go deep early, even if you catch some four or five-to-one shots there, you should be in pretty good shape going into that last leg. Uh, I have similar thoughts here with my ticket. 
I'm going four five nine with four six eight with one seven nine with two four eleven for the slightly unusual forty dollar <laughs> and fifty cent uh, ticket there. Jim, I would I think four eleven are the two horses they use on the end, but like I said, I have zero confidence in either one. I'll throw in the two and also we didn't really talk about the nine and leg three. Everyone can take a look at that horse. It's a speed horse. Again, I have a feeling it could be a bit speed favoring uh on Friday. Jim, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting uh on Friday. It's great that Hawthorne's putting twenty five uh, K guaranteed, and you see some of these, you know, bigger meets now widening down. You see things slow down. Hawthorne is a great opportunity uh, for people to play because there'll be bigger pools, and like you said, uh, with the night racing and whatnot. And then also, very quickly, in a few weeks, we talk about three, uh, uh, two, uh, two weeks. Sorry, yeah. two weeks from this weekend, Jim. Here we go. NHC bids on the line, big time, five hundred dollar, four hundred dollar live money contest, Jim. Fire away with our promotion on that. And here's the thing. You talk about NHC seats on the line. It's 10 NHC seats that are on the line over the course of the weekend. The cool thing that we do about our tournaments, Howard, it's real money tournaments. It's a live bankroll. Bet whatever tracks we're offering. Bet whatever whatever wagers you want. If you want a multi-race sequence, that's fine. If you want to play win place, that's fine. Play your bankroll how you would play a day at the races and then see how things unfold. If you don't have a good day Friday, you can come back Saturday, start fresh. Same for Sunday, but that's what we want to do. We, we don't want to charge an entry fee. We don't want any of that. We just want people to play the races. Any of our Club Hawthorne OTV locations, there's six of them that are out there. You can check it out on our website to make sure you find these locations. They're gorgeous, too. They're very comfortable. If you're a sports better, some of these have the sports books there as well, so you can check that out, too. And it's just one of those things where we've done very well with contest players. Contest players have done very well in the NHC coming out of Hawthorne as well. But again, you don't have to play Hawthorne. You can play whatever track is your focus. And I think that's the most important thing for any players that are looking to find a chance to get an NHCC. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I'm playing in one room. I'm probably Saturday. I'm not sure. I got I got sharpen up my my BC was not good, Jim. Um, I, I fired very heavily into Cave Rock. And of course, I had Victoria Road on the other on the double, of course. Um, and you know, I fired into Jack. It just, it just wasn't my day. Just things golden pal, blah, blah, blah. And my, my tournament ended Jim with uh, a big win bet and doubles with cyber knife lost by a head. It's just sometimes Jim, you just have one of those weekends. I was bad uh, or bad luck or however you want to look at it. Bad luck. You have to be on, you have to be honest as a handicapper. We can't sit on here, Jim, and say we crush every weekend. We wouldn't be true to our viewers and listeners. And sometimes that's just, it's just going to happen that way. Well, here's the thing that you got to find out, too. You look at a lot of these multi-race sequences, and you look and you could be so on the verge. It's five to one you catch, five to one you catch, six to one you catch. The one single that you expect to happen, it just doesn't happen. And maybe the horse runs second or runs third, and Jackie's Warrior got kind of drifted a little bit wider. Cave Rock went really quick and didn't look comfortable and still ran second. So that's the thing about it. Sometimes it's just unlucky more than anything, but I'll tell you, you feel at least that you know you're there because the horses were there late. Maybe they just didn't perform to get across the wire first, but it doesn't mean you really did anything wrong in the end. Maybe you're just a little unlucky. Well, the best part about it is I was literally there, and just the atmosphere, Jim, was was incredible. Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse, we really appreciate you being on. We'll be on next week, of course, talk about yep. more about Hawthorne and stake races. And one more time, folks, you don't have to be in town. You do have to be in person at the OTBs. We know a lot of people are coming in the Chicago area over Thanksgiving to visit family and whatnot. And even if you're not, so drive in a few hours if you live in Indiana, Wisconsin, 
you know, Iowa, whatever. Fantastic opportunity to get a chance to go to the NHC with these live money contests. And again, there's no minimums. There's no mandatories. You bet whatever you want, wherever you want for the entire day. So can't recommend those Thanksgiving Day tournaments enough. For Jim Miller, this has been Howard Kravitz, episode 204 of the HHH Racing Podcast. Thanks for joining us tonight. Good luck at Hawthorne. And, of course, good luck also at Woodbine on Saturday. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye.